I am a god, you dull creature. We are not doing get help. I have been falling for 30 minutes. I assure you, brother, the sun will shine on us again. I'm just a huge fan of the sport. Can't see another future, another wish. No? Why'd you dress like one? I am Loki of Asgard. Puny god. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I am back after having been absent for what was my day of birth, my second 29th birthday. Uh, thank you for the birthday shoutouts. Uh, I've got Robbie. I've got Peaches here with me. Chris is off gallivanting in the southeast. The exact opposite of where Robbie gallivanted recently in the Northwest. And then uh, we will be watching Loki gallivant across a different planet today. Lokis? What's the plural of Loki? Loki I. No, that's Lugia. That's from Pokemon. <laughs> Lokai? You just like really emphasize the I instead of the E? Lokai? Lokai. Yeah. Lokai. I guess. I wrote Loki's several times in this uh, in these notes, but I, I suppose it could be Loki. Loki sounds way too similar to Roll Tide, and I don't want. I did not think it. that once until you just said that. I wow. did. I it immediately sounded like if if you were half paying attention, you might think I said Roll Tide. I would never say that. Too bad Soundlord's not here to be furious. You're the only one here that has said it, and you've now said it twice. Why would Soundlord be mad if I said it? I said I don't want to say it. <laughs> Just, I think just saying roll tide out loud makes him angry. Now we're he tied. actually just Damn shivered. It. Now we're, I 2.5 said it. He shivered three times in a row. He just doesn't know. <laughs> Angel's like, Chris, are you okay? And he's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just felt a uh, tickle down my spine. I didn't have any gallivanting jokes even this time. So I'm sorry. Uh, I had damn. to come up with something. That's okay. Uh, well, before we get started the show, we want to let you know that this very show right here, Assembly Required an MC Retrospective, is supported by people just like you over at patreon.com slash assembly required. That's once again, patreon.com slash assembly required. You too can go support the show there. We're going to be having a community night coming up here in a, in a few days, actually. We're getting real close. Uh, is it the 29th, correct? Oh, wow. No, it's the 28th. The 28th. Uh, My apologies. Monday the 28th in the evening. Oh, so you should be able to hear this episode, and pretty closely afterwards, the episode should come out. BoardGameArena.com. If you're in that Discord, make sure you've made an account. It's going to be a lot quicker. Woo! Yes. And today, we're going to be talking all about Loki, Episode 3, Lamentis, which is written by Bisha K. Ali and directed by Kate Heron, who has directed all of the episodes. Yeah. So episode three opens with TVA Minuteman C-20 in casual clothes sharing drinks in a tiki bar with the Loki variant. The variant makes friendly conversation that starts asking C-20 how to find the timekeepers. We see this as just an effect of the variant controlling a sleeping C-20's mind to extract information. C-20 tells the variant which elevator to take at the TVA headquarters to find them. As the variant watches the TVA and Loki on the security cameras, then leave to an actor plan from the last episode. After the opening title, the variant enters the TVA through the time door while the Minutemen are scrambling out of the base to put a stop to her bombing of the timeline. 
Even after finding out her abilities don't function in the TVA base, the variant shows off the ability to take out multiple guards in hand-to-hand combat. I want to stop real quick. Uh-huh. This Loki, all of her fight scenes, I'm, uh, I'm not sure what, all of their fight scenes, I guess I'll say, uh, are really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the part where she, they, go up on the wall and get back around behind the, uh, the TVA guard, it's, it's some pretty sweet stuff. Sylvie's kind of a badass. Yeah, um, I agree. And I didn't put this in the notes, and I don't really have a lot to say about it, but I'm kind of excited for her to be a badass because we talked about on all of our Falcon and the Winter Soldier episodes on how they kind of like screwed all the women in that show as far as character development and like just basically every aspect of their characterization and whatever. And it's cool to have another kick ass female character again. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And they do, they give her a little bit of, um, not that she is the comic relief, they do give her some comic relief as the episode goes on to kind of soften her badassery a little bit, but it doesn't, they don't completely disarm the badassery. Listen, anyone that does that kick off the wall thing that you described a second ago, I'm I'm not messing with you. (laughs) If you can do that, tell me in advance, please. Damn right. Loki comes through the door just behind her and confronting her turns into a fight. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the two are interrupted by Judge Renslayer, and Loki creates a time door to escape to another time and place with the variant. The two find themselves in a new apocalypse, the Moon Lamentus One, in 2077, just as its planet is about to crash into it, and with the Tempad used to create time doors low on battery. I don't remember. Is Lamentus one of the places that um, Chris rattled off last week that the bombs were sent to i don't think so I because don't remember i expect that, we no. would have seen one but no i don't think so okay i typed all of them into a search bar and don't remember that name and you, i just really wanted you to find the ego yeah. the ego one the variant attempts to enchant loki but is unable to while loki hides with tempad the tempad with his magic i uh, so i was really enjoying last episode and peach i don't want this to come off rude but i enjoyed that as the episode went on you stumbled with your words a little bit because i stumble with my words all the time (laughs) and it is just a peril of like hosting this and continually reading that you're eventually just going to start like fumbling you're just talking so much you know what it is the jumble you know what it is man it's like since I kind of became the like uh, the peach of all trades, if you will, not yet for Robbie's job, but I'm getting there possibly. Um, I've had a lot more, <laughs> not that I didn't before, but just respect for what you all like have contributed to the podcast. And as far as hosting goes, what happens with me, and I'm sure it happens with you, is I will get ahead of myself in the reading, yep. and then I'll forget the thing I was supposed to have said. Yep. <laughs> And that's when I have to go back and be like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and that's where it gets kind of dicey. But it they're, they're all challenging in their own ways. Hosting is fun. I, I mean, they're both fun, but hosting is really fun. This is a little bit of sausage making, but I don't know if you guys have noticed that every, I, I make sure as much as I can, sometimes I fail, that every bullet point does not start with the same word as a nearby bullet point on purpose. Oh. To- <laughs> that helps. That helps a lot. <laughs> Do you spell out, do you ever spell out like hidden messages that you hope we pick up on one day? Like the first letter of each bullet point says like the Zoni or something? Oh, absolutely. You need to go back to the old notes and look for them. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll keep an eye out. Loki proposes a truce saying they need to get to work together to get the Tempad recharged so they can get back to the TVA. 
The variant agrees, saying she's been planning for years to kill the timekeepers. The two leave to find a power source to recharge the tempad, but continue to bicker the entire way. The variant reasserts not to be called Loki, saying, that's not who I am anymore. My name is Sylvie. Can I, I interject of... here? Oh, go ahead. Does she ever... I watched the episode twice, but it was both on the same day, so maybe I just already forgot from two days ago. Does she ever specify that her plan was to kill the timekeepers? I thought all she, I thought she was vague about her plan. I thought no. her plan was like this plan was years in the making and that's it. Like what we still don't really know what her because Loki makes fun of her later and says what your plan is to just like bomb a bunch of things and then walk away. She says if I'm not mistaken because I just rewatched it, you know, a little, couple hours ago. She says, I'm going to kill them, and then I'm going to kill you. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. Oh, okay. I mean, I'll watch it a third time. It won't bother me. I'll go back. These are all good episodes. Why not? Yeah. I have a lot of questions about Sylvie in general, but I have a lot of questions about the way the show is presenting the sacred timeline. So Sylvie and Loki later are going to sit down. They're going to have a conversation. Loki's going to tell him stories about his life. And then Sylvie's going to start talking about her life. And he's going to realize how different her life has been compared to his. And if every timeline is the same, and they're all sort of a sacred timeline, then how is her life so different from his? It makes sense that there is one point in time that changes, and that's when she becomes a variant. But it sounds like lots of her life was different. And then eventually she became a variant. Yeah, I, I had the exact same thought as I'm watching this. It's like, it, it feels like she is not a variant off of this sacred timeline. It feels like it's a completely different reality. All the Lokis feel like they're a completely different reality. If the TVA shows up right as things start to change and prunes it, then none of the Lokis should be particularly different because they never should have been. If there is actually a sacred timeline that's under lock and key, there should not have been been any sort of Loki never should have been able to branch off at birth and win the Tour de France like that's just not I'm with you and I think the show is intelligent enough that we're going to get an answer to this but it does feel like it's there's a possibility for kind of a man I don't want to use the word the term say it but (laughs) but it does feel like if they don't explain this they've got kind of I don't mind using that word if the word is used correctly and this would in theory be a plot hole i am with you i think this is inte- like i think mm-hmm. we've talked about the tva not being trustworthy we've talked about how the timekeepers have potentially nefarious intentions i think this might all tie into that like yeah. the tva is being told that they're doing one thing but they are really doing another right here's the deal though is that like uh, and i might be talking about the thing that i'm going to talk about later right now but it doesn't really matter right we no it's decided it doesn't really matter it's already I, next. <laughs> okay, then let's that's fine. I'll just go right into it. I'm I am leaning more into this idea that Angela had last week that that uh Kate Heron and you know Feige, whoever decides the overall story of the MCU, whoever the, those people might be, have decided to mash uh Lady Loki and Enchantress into one character. I'm still not convinced that it is actually just Lady Loki, that it's just Loki. Because everything y'all just said makes complete sense. But also what you have to remember, and I don't mean you guys don't know this, just a a general sense of what you have to remember. The royal royal, you. The royal you (laughs) is that every single person that we have met in this 
show so far, other than maybe Mobius M. Mobius, is a villain, right? If the TVA is bad, then they're a bunch of villains. Loki is a villain. Lady Loki slash Sylvie slash Enchantress is a villain. Every single one of them could have some uh-huh. hidden agenda that they're not yet forthcoming about. Um, Sylvie could be lying to him the whole time. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense that they're completely different because you're right. If Loki keeps showing up and they're going to prune him, why would one of them be a Hulk Loki and one of them be blue frost giant Loki and one of them be lady Loki? Like keep pruning him at the same spot or why do you keep letting him get out of line? Right. Exactly. It's like if, if what the, if what, you know, the Terra strong clock in the first episode said is true, then are they just occasionally just sitting around and going, ah, he's not that different. Ah, he's not that different. Oh, no, no, no. He won the Tour de France. Time to prune. Like it's, right. It, it, right. And as far as, as far as Sylvie goes, and I'll just call her Sylvie because that's what she has to be called, but also uh-huh. because we don't really know like right. what the identity might truly be, is Loki has told Sylvie all of this backstory first, which would give our... Okay, back to everybody being villains real quick. I'm going to call in this instance Sylvie, Sylvie the villain because Loki is our hero of the story. But that could be Sylvie doing villainous things, right? She heard all of Loki's story first, and now she's just going to regurgitate what he said and change it around a little. I'm adopted. Wait, you weren't? That, no, I, I wasn't. They told me. Right. That's totally possible. Um, yeah. A, a lot of my... Because I know, I know I saw you in the notes wanted me to explain what I meant by she's actually a Loki being confirmed. I'm not going to go as far as like it was literally said on screen. A lot of it is me going kind of the same thing I did with, um, with how they handled us agent. A lot of it is I'm just going with guessing how I think a screenwriter is handling their show. And I, I, I don't think they're handling all of this to just pull the rug out and say, she wasn't actually a Loki all along because I, I yeah. don't think they have any reason to do that. That said, the Enchantress thing, the combining Enchantress and Loki, the having her her variations spun her into being a different Loki and became the Enchantress, I totally, I don't know that I have strong feelings one way or the other, but that seems like a completely valid theory to me. I mean, yeah. it's, for those that don't know, Enchantress's name is, the version of Enchantress is Sylvie Lushton. Her name okay. is Sylvie. The Enchantress in the comics is, like, this, to me, it's not, yeah. it is not so much implied anymore. It is... They're yeah. saying this person is also Enchantress. Yeah. yeah there's like, not so many. Sylvie, she is Enchantress. It's yeah, not like a that. Steve or a, you know, there's Stephen Strange and there's, and there's, you know, Steve Rogers and there's, right. you know, Peter Parker and Peter Quill. There's not very many Sylvies in right. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, I think I buy into the, my current, my current thought is she was, she is Loki, but her evolution as Loki that for whatever reason was not pruned turned her into, she became this. Um, it makes this episode, like, even more of a puzzle than it might actually seem like, because it seems like this episode is very much about the development of a relationship of some kind between mm-hmm. these two characters, right? But right. we don't know, like, it could be 100% fake. Like, it could be Loki playing Sylvie and Sylvie playing Loki <laughs> the whole time. Well, and it's interesting... I think that's a really good point because something I found, and this is kind of something we'll get to in the ratings, and this was a hard episode for me to rate, is the first time I was watching this, I, I was almost bored. 
And the second time watching it, I really liked the episode more the second time, partly for what you were saying, is that there's a lot of, I, I don't want to say mystery box, because we use that a lot, but just a lot, a lot of, on second viewing, going, wait, what is actually going on in this scene? It's not what I, it's not what it first seems to be, necessarily. Yeah, I find it interesting. Like, I I don't think it's bad writing. I think I'm leaning heavily more oh, into, right. there is a plan here. Right. We're going to have a lot revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Right. But there is a chance it could be, and it makes me sad. It will make me very sad if some yes. of these questions don't get answered. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think my guess is we're going to find out that there have been other timelines all along, and whatever, for whatever reason, the TVA has for policing this spot. Or it could just be as simple as the TVA can't control as much as they think they can, so they've just said, we, we have this sacred timeline, while all along there have been other timelines that they're just... You know, the people who are listening, they're telling, aren't, don't exist because they can't actually control all of reality. Something like that. But I, I'm with you, I think. Or they manage a shitload of timelines and they're just not good at it. <laughs> you know, that, that's entirely possible. <laughs> Maybe um, they bit off ma- more timelines than they can chew. But yeah, I'm with Eduardo. I think so far the show has shown itself, show has shown itself to be smart enough that I'm, I'm guess, guessing we're going to get a good answer or not. Right. And I also need to say a theory that I saw online that is really interesting to me. So uh, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but the actual TVA, right? Like the big like city, right? It bears a, a resemblance to a city in Ant-Man and the Wasp when he goes mm-hmm. into the quantum realm and you see a city in there. So the theory is uh-huh. that the TVA actually exists in the quantum realm, which is why time works differently there. That makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. I don't, um, I've seen that, that theory around a bunch too. And I don't know if anybody's trying to like, just point that out or if they're trying to be like, look, this is important for these reasons. It seems like more of just a setting choice than anything to me. Like, cool. It's in the quantum realm. Right. Like, I don't think it's going to like, well, it does matter because if you think about it, it happens in the quantum realm. Who goes to the quantum realm? Ant-Man. Who do we mm-hmm. think one of the timekeepers is? Kang the Conqueror. What movie is Kang the Conqueror supposed to be in? Ant-Man oh, yeah. and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. It's it's a very good setup of a setting for a future movie. That's right. like no doubt if it's true. But yeah, I think it's just more of a cool possible tidbit than anything right. else. But it, that's the city that you kind of vaguely see when you see the quantum realm in the previous right. movies is pretty, pretty close. Yeah. I, I would also appreciate it because it felt like here in the MCU, they came up with a pretty good way of having time travel. And this is something we talked about in the end end game episode where instead of just making it, wow, I've made this machine that goes through time. Like they gave us an explanation to allow them to do it. It would, everything would end up very neat if it ended up that the TVA was doing the same thing. They were using the quantum realm for how they were doing this stuff. Sure. Sylvie estimates they have 12 hours before the planet destroys its moon, destroying all life. In the meantime, they will have to dodge increasing meteor showers. They encounter a lone woman waiting in her home for death. Both Loki, Loki, attempt to convince the woman to help them with their own styles, though neither are successful. However, they do find out from her about the Ark, an evacuation vessel being used to take people off the moon before it's destroyed. Uh, this is really subtle, but I really like after Sylvie tries and gets air blasted and Loki's like, no, you should have done it this way. And then he tries to get air gets air blasted. I really like that small moment between them where she's like talking shit about how his 
his method didn't work either. And he like puts his finger up and he's like, don't. And she just kind of laughs at him. Like, I thought that was cute. There's one point a little earlier when they're dodging all these meteors where she says something and all he says is, you're so weird. And it was, (laughs) what a weird thing to say. Just, you're so weird. (laughs) I mean, it's not false. They're both kind of weird. You're not wrong. Uh, Sylvie guesses that ship will have enough power to recharge the temp pad. One tem, one drem. The woman tells them a train is taking people to the Ark, but they won't be able to get tickets. Sylvie and Loki reach the train, where only the wealthy are being allowed to board. Working together with Loki's deceptions and Sylvie's enchantments, they are able to get on the train. The two continue to bicker about their respective planned uh, plans, Though as soon as Loki mentions his mother, Sylvie is disarmed and asks Loki to talk about her. The two compare their different Loki upbringings, with Sylvie saying she was told from the start she was adopted, and Loki talking about the magic he learned from his mother, and both discussing the meaning of love. I watched this. Peach was at my house. Peach was at my house. My wife is sitting next to me. They're having this scene, and I... I'm not his wife, just just so everybody knows. I turn to the two of them, and I go... Why is there so much like romantic or sexual tension going on right now between Loki and Loki? Is that like the intention of the scene? Because I've watched it now twice and there is definitely some like there's there's definitely something going on there and then it 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 makes sense because if there's one person Loki loves more in the entire in all nine realms, it's Loki. That does make sense. You know, I, I imagine if you're really into yourself and then you meet another person that's exactly like you, <laughs> you probably, yo, can I have your number? Where your boyfriend at? Is he getting you Mike and Ikes? I'm, like Mike and Ikes? I'm not good at perceiving this sort of thing. And so I'm relieved by you bringing it up because watching the scene and I'm like, they're not, is this intentional or am I just making things up? Like in my brain, I felt the same way. I'm like, there's, sexual tension between the loci like i just (laughs) but i played bass for sexual tension between the loci but i had no intention of bringing it up on this episode because i assumed nah i'm dumb just imagining it so because that's just not the sort of thing that i recognize so if i was recognizing it it's probably way thicker than i realize i don't know i think you could make an argument that it is one of those like close friendship bonds, but also they're kind of still enemies at this point. If anything, they're rivals. So it mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense. It makes more sense for it to be attraction to each other mm-hmm. than for it to be like becoming super close friends. And I don't know the whole talk about what love is to each right. other makes it like it drills it in even more. Right, the screenwriter could pick any subject for them to decide to have some sort of like impromptu poetry combat over. Right. And it ends up being the meaning of love and what love is and him Wait. staring into her eyes and talking about how love is a dagger. Suddenly and... I want impromptu poetry combat between the, like a poetry slam, but it's literally a physical slam. <laughs> <laughs> I broke up with my ex-deviant. Here's her number. So that's something that they... <laughs> <laughs> That's something that Vikings used to do. Like in in like they they had these sort of like poetry in like Norse lore, not Norse, Norse history, I guess, but they had basically like rap battles 
where they would basically rap to each other with poetry and like they were like battles like they would like diss each other and stuff thank you assassin's creed valhalla for giving me all this knowledge that's how yo mama fights got started basically facts uh so it would make sense that loki being of norse mythology would have a rap battle with himself uh yeah no there's a lot of there's some tension there's something going on there right there's something going on i also we we get some confirmation that loki i think i would the the way he described it is pansexual he just yep loki is just kind of into whatever loki is feeling and that makes perfect sense also really cool of them to like address that in the dialogue in this episode Mm -hmm. and it's it's really smartly put in there in my opinion it's not like uh loki doesn't have a whole like thing about you know men and you know his trouble with you know people like it's not like it is just a part of conversation and it's like oh that's cool like there's a way where you need to do that a little bit delicately so it doesn't seem like it's like it's a token. Like Loki isn't a token for. You they're not being like, "Hey forced. guys, we're we're here to calm down the masses. We finally put someone in here who is who is bisexual." It is more of, "Hey, he's a character. This is what he is, and that's great. And like, that's just who he is." Yeah, you don't want it to feel forced, but like, if that's how they want the character to be perceived, like it's something important to make known to the audience in a, in a way that is not like a sore thumb. Right. As the planet continues to collapse on its moon outside the train, Sylvie takes a brief nap. She wakes up to find Loki drunk with his disguise gone, leading the bar car, leading the bar car in Asgardian song. I don't know about you guys, but at this point, I'm watching this and I go, Loki isn't as drunk as he looks. I don't know. That's how I read the scene. I was like, it feels to me like Loki knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. He didn't seem super drunk to me either. To me, I was like, first, like it just seems like he like was like, and we never got the the resolution of my feelings on that to the end of the episode. But it definitely felt like Loki knew exactly what he was doing when he was quote unquote drunk. I agree with that, and I think we will get resolution. But I'll say more about that in a minute. He fought really well for somebody yep. that would have been drunk. Agreed. She angrily complains about him uh, ruining the deception, and the two are confronted by the train security. A fight breaks out, and Loki is thrown from the train. Needing his tempad, that's hilarious, Sylvie jumps out after him. Tempad is one of the funniest words to read. (laughs) Sylvie threatens Loki, and he agrees to give her the tempad. (laughs) He agrees only to discover it was broken in the fall. She berates him, calling him a clown. Not in the spring, but in the fall. He says he's hedonistic, which I don't know what that means. And she insists she is too. Which one of you would like to tell me what hedonistic means? Uh, basically, a uh, party animal. Good way okay. to think about it. It's like, think of um, Dionysus and Hades. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's hedonistic. Did well, you ever play Dionysus The Sims? Dionysus in general, but yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever play The Sims 2? I did not. Okay, fine. If, if you... Cool. Do you know <laughs> you know Futurama that robot who is um it, all gold and he's in the chair and he has his manservant the one that's supposed breaks. to be like robot Dionysus yes <laughs> yes literally literal, Hed- literal caricature of Dionysus yes his that. name is Hedonism Bot oh yeah, uh, okay well, right. that makes sense yes. right. she says that she's also uh, hedonistic but never at the expense of the mission before screaming and sitting down to await death cool scene. Loki reminded me of Scarlet Witch. Uh, yes. 
Now, Robbie, you've got a surveillance stork, and we've used the term surveillance stork a lot here. I need to be very clear. Surveillance stork should only be used for absolutely outlandish uh, uh, theories. Uh, Peaches, you used one last week. You said this is surveillance stork, and then you said a very reasonable theory. Yes, right? We all agree with this. That is not a surveillance stork. Okay, but A, I'm glad you guys think I'm reasonable, but B, I don't know how reasonable these things are because they could do whatever they want with the plot. So I agree with that. So what I will say is y'all can decide if this is a surveillance stork or not. <laughs> okay. I, I think yeah. the rule should be you don't get to decide if yours is yes. a surveillance stork. Your surveillance stork so, is decided by public opinion. So so we should pitch it like um, the beginning of an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode where we, like, a stork for the Midnight Society, and then we throw some pixie yes. dust over a fire, and then you say your right. tale, and then we go... Stork or Nork? Right. So this is, is this a surveillance stork or is this an Agnes's Agatha? Okay. Um, but anyway, my potential surveillance stork here. Recapping what just happened. Loki, Sylvie goes to sleep. She wakes up and Loki is drunk and messing around and being an idiot only to ruin the mission. Fights very well despite being drunk. We don't think he's actually drunk. And I think I agree with that. We've just discussed why. Then he ends up out of there. Then, then they're outside the train and she goes, give me the tempad. Despite everything that's happened before, despite the fact that he still should not give her the tempad for his own reasoning, he then decides, okay, fine, here, have it, but it's broken. Um, and then that spins off into the rest of what's going to happen in this episode. And she talks about, and so let me first back up and say, I didn't fully come up with this on my own. This came, this was immediately what my wife said about the episode and everything she said made sense. So I do need to shout out Kat because a lot of this comes from her and I told her I will be sharing it on the podcast and I think I'm going with her on this. Uh, And I basically always go with her on these things. Um, So then she says, Sylvie says, never at the expense of the mission. And Kat brought up a good point. And honestly, I, had, I did have this thought on my own as well. That's not... Loki's the same. Lo, yeah, Loki makes mistakes. But Loki's not stupid. Loki's not a complete buffoon who's just going to get trashed on cheap champagne and completely ruin his own scheme. That's 100% not in character. And I, think the, and I think the show writers are trying to, for those of us paying attention, remind us of that with her... her never at the expense of the mission statement. Because I think those of us who are paying attention are supposed to be led to, wait, hold on, Loki's, Loki also will not do it at the expense of the mission. Like, he is a, a, a focused individual. So something is going on here, and it's potentially different things. But my thought, Kat's thought as well, my wife, um, I think as soon as Sylvie went to sleep, Loki has set up a projection for her. Just like, you know, what he set up for when he died in in Thor 2. I think from this moment, from the moment that Loki wakes up on the train forward, the rest of this episode is entirely a, uh, what what, what did he call it? um, It wouldn't be duplicate casting. It would be uh, illusion. This is a Loki illusion, the rest of this episode. He's manipulating Sylvie through an illusion. And a few other things go on through this episode that I think kind of reinforce that. Um, uh, what was the other one I had? Oh, towards the end, when they're running in the in away and everything is collapsing, he stops and he gives a determined look at a building and puts that building back in place. 
That's not in his power set. When did Loki just get to look at buildings and keep them from collapsing? That's 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 Loki casting an illusion, I think. I agree with you because I don't uh, like I the second time I watched that with Eduardo, I saw that building come down and I noticed that happening and I was like, yeah, that does not feel like a Loki power at all. Like mm-hmm. when did he have telekinesis? You know, like he picked up a <laughs> He picked up a vigor and rapture, and now he has telekinesis or something. Like next next scene, he's gonna shoot bees out of his hands. <laughs> and so the question for why he would do that, why he would telekinesis that thing back into place, and I think the question for why he would do that is the same as why he's doing any of this. If I'm right, um, if we're right, and he this is all a Loki projection, what is he doing? I think he's trying to get Sylvie to trust him. Um, and we'll find out exactly, I, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what Loki's goal is in this series, like if he's actually a good guy or if he's still just out for the for the timekeepers or whatever. But I think he's. this was his manipulating Sylvie into trusting him. Um, that's why we had that conversation of them walking and him getting her to spill enchantment. Or maybe he's just trying to learn how to do enchantment. But trying to get her to spill enchantment, saying, and then they really harp on the "Do you trust me?" Like almost like they're going to jump and have a magic carpet ride at any minute now. Towards the end of this episode, you know, do we trust each other? Yes, you know, you can and you will. Um, and I think he's pushing up the building to like, look, Sylvie, I saved you. And so I think this is all an act. And watching it the second time, I was looking for cracks in this theory, and I couldn't find them because one of the things is Sylvie does not know about, Sylvie doesn't know about the Ark. She doesn't know about the city. She doesn't know about what's going to happen when they get there. So Loki has the freedom to create something that neither of them have seen because she hasn't seen it. She's not going to know this isn't what the city looks like. This isn't what the, uh, what the ship looks like. This isn't what happened to the ship. She's not going to know all of that. So he has the freedom to make it appear to be something that neither of them have seen. Also, one of my thoughts was maybe it's the other way around. Maybe this is Sylvie's enchantment. But the reason I don't think that's what's going on is because of her line about it has to be pulled from someone's memory. To She talks about when she goes into someone's brain and it's a strong person's brain, she has to use one of their memories to try and create that hold. And that's what we see in that C20 scene in the beginning. And I think that's the point of the C20 scene in the beginning. None of this is a memory for Loki. This is not a memory for either of them. This is something new for both of them. Um, and I'm certain I had had even more. I, as I rewatched it, I've had more and more reasons to think this is what's going on. Um, oh, and, and the way he uses the fireworks, which so he shows his fireworks to her, which is of course an underwhelming trick. He uses the fireworks again a few more, you know, later when he's trying to show his ticket. Uh, I think it's supposed to be he is underwhelming her, showing, oh, look at how you know awful my magic is. And then when she wakes up, he's set up a whole alternate reality just to manipulate her um, definitely ma- manipulate her for good reasons I, I don't know the reasons but anyway and, and of course we have to have an explanation what's going to happen at the end of this episode they're both if what happened in the episode is real and to be trusted they're both doomed to die the only alternative i can come up with is if something they did created a variation and the tva is going to show up and grab them there it's all i can come up with or they find power somewhere or something but i don't think any of that's going to happen i think that this episode was created by one of the Lokis, all just a dream, if you will. And my best guess for that, and y'all can shoot it down if you want, is 
most of this episode was a Loki illusion. A MCU Loki illusion. Mm. I vote that it is a stork. Okay. This is why. Because I think what you're saying makes sense. Um, for it to be one of them illusioning or enchanting whichever version it might be the other but what other than the fireworks has loki other than the fireworks and himself what in uh, that have we seen has he like created projections of in mass scale largest because the building the building falling down could be him making that happen but like we've never seen him illusion anything that was bigger than his body. Not that he, I'm not saying he can't yes, we do have. it. Yes, we have. His cell in Thor 2. Now that's not a whole city, oh, but yeah. yes, we have seen larger than his the, Like the only thing, the only thing I feel like would be that powerful, like powerful enough to create illusions that are as realistic as we think we're seeing in this episode would be like a reality stone. Like maybe he pocketed a reality stone from the drawer in episode one, but if it if the logic of the reality stone only works in the reality or the universe that it came from like he'd have like a one in however many chance of choosing the right reality stone you know potentially i don't know i i i see where you're coming from it would be really cool if you're right i think it's more of a stork than a nork (laughs) i hate that i said that i hate that you said that too good so i'm the tiebreaker here huh Uh uh-huh I'm going to say it's a Nork. I agree with Robbie. Ah, He said it too. (laughs) I agree with Robbie. I think, and this is my reasoning, one, think of literally every time we have seen Loki ever in the entire MCU, except for maybe Avengers. Loki was played specifically in Avengers, the straightest, and by straight, I mean no deception. He just kind of was himself, even though actually I'm lying, including Avengers. And every single time we have seen Loki, think about it. He says he's doing one thing and we believe him. And then suddenly he's doing something else. Think about Thor Ragnarok. We think he's, you know, being buddies with Thor and suddenly he's stabbing Thor in the back again. You know, like every single time we see Loki, he has an ulterior motive. He has something else he's doing. Do I believe that it's an entire enchantment? It could be. I think there's also a really strong possibility that what is happening is still happening, but Loki pretended like the device was broken and enchanted that. That would be really good. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think he is pretending that this is broken, and he's like, oh, no, it's broken. Like, he made the smoke appear. Yeah, Yeah, that I can see. He he was like, oh, here it is. It's broken with my magical hand powers that I've already shown you I can create literally whatever I I want and make you believe it. Mm -hmm. Because she never actually touches it when it's broken. Mm -hmm. He just shows it to her, and she's like, ah, dang Mm it. Mm -hmm. Classic Loki rolling over on his items that he puts into a mystical realm that we have no idea where they actually are. Yeah, like, he can't put everything he disappears into his back pocket like that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, okay, so, and let me say, I don't think that, like, the fight on the train is necessarily an illusion, but that he is using illusions and made the fight on the train happen on purpose. Sure. I mean, and there's, I think there's a lot of ground, there's a lot of reasoning why that makes sense. One, think about Loki and what Loki wants, what we know about Loki, right? What does Loki want? What does Loki already said he wants? He wants to be, 
the ultimate power in the Nine Realms. He wants to rule Asgard and eventually rule the Nine Realms. And previously, he thought the best way to do that was going to be the Infinity Stones. But he learns quickly during the first episode when he's in the middle of the TVA that the real greatest power in the universe is the TVA itself. The idea, the the ability to change reality, to kind of give in to all of the ideas that he's already had himself. So what's the best way for, for us thing for him to do? is to play along with the TVA, even to this point. Because what is he going to get out of helping her? He doesn't uh-huh. really get anything out of that, right? Yeah. He doesn't even know what her plan is. She doesn't even know. She doesn't know what her plan is just as much as he doesn't know what his plans are at our, our level. Right. We haven't really set, discussed that, I don't think. But I think you're right. I think that's absolutely correct. Right. And so I think it stands to reason that he's still trying to work with Owen Wilson. He's still trying to get that deal to see the timekeepers to eventually double cross them as well. Don't think that he's also just going to play along with them the whole time, but I think he's using Sylvie to get to the timekeepers to try to use the timekeepers. Yeah. It would be a, it would be a superpower move on his part. If he disappears through the door to, to go, I'm doing air quotes listeners with Sylvie and then apprehends her brings her back to the tva and then goes all right you trust me now right yeah like it like right in just feeding right into it yeah that's that's potential i also i need to be right about this and the reason i need to be right about this (laughs) is in my notes for the first episode that didn't i wasn't on i wrote i'll bet everyone working at the tva is a variant that was put in a job at the tva (laughs) and i wrote that and then i wasn't on the episode and I don't think, I'm pretty certain I did not say it on the last episode. You did not. And now I can't get credit because now I'm saying it after the fact. And that makes me so angry. And so now <laughs> I have to say something before the fact. <laughs> you can't win them all, man. No. Loki pitches a plan B to Sylvie, saying they should go get the Ark, believing if the two of them can board it, they may be able to cha- help change time by getting it off Lamentis before it's destroyed. Sylvie agrees. As they walk to the Ark, Loki tells Sylvie he needs to know if he can trust her and ask her how her enchantment works. Yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> he might be smart enough to... I mean, we know Loki is smart, but he might be smart enough to... I just need a vague description of how to do the magic, please. Well, and I think we need... To be fair, and to, to Kat's credit, she's correct. In a lot of this so far, Loki's kind of been dumbfounded and a little dumb, right? Like, the Loki that we know is usually the smartest person in the room and isn't very easily outthought. But so far, he's been kind of a bumbling idiot, and every little kind of plan falls apart within seconds. So I think it stands to reason that we finally get a little bit more of the Loki that we're familiar with, the one that is more conniving and will have a little bit more, you know... Mm-hmm. He'll he'll be a little bit more uh, uh, witty and uh, cunning. Cunning should be the was the word that I was trying to yes. say, but I couldn't think. Yeah. Of. She further says that with stronger minds like C twenty, she has to create a fantasy within their mind from their memories to maintain control. I missed the line, but Sylvia explains that she reaches out into her target's mind and grabs hold of it. All right. <laughs> she says the memory she talked to C twenty in was from hundreds of years before she joined the TVA. Loki is startled by this, saying he was told everyone at the TVA was created to work there. But Sylvie tells him that all the TVA employees are variants. 
Loki says the TVA employees don't realize that. How does Sylvie know any of this? I'm, yeah, I was wondering about that. How does she learn so much about the TVA? Yeah, how does she know literally any of this? That's a good point because she didn't even know without the help of C20 how to get to the TVA, but she knows that everybody working there is a variant. Well, mm-hmm. we know she has some knowledge of the TVA, right? Because she's specifically going to all the points in which they show up. She mm-hmm. is stealing all the reset charges. She knows what they do. She knows how to use time doors. She knew how to evade them. She knows how the TVA works. I don't necessarily know why she doesn't know where the uh, where the timekeepers are. Maybe not everyone in the TVA knows that. Uh, but how she They're gets this information, real. maybe. But how she actually gets this information is the most interesting to me. Like, how did she figure any of this out? I'm curious how that plays with our idea that the TBA is bad, right? Like, they could still be bad and all be variants, right? Um, they're not mutually exclusive topics, but it's one of those things where, like, you find out that you've actually been a victim all along. Like, I wonder if that is going to be the case for a lot of the members of the TVA. Like, if all of them are variants and they don't know and then they find out, like, that could be catastrophically bad, you know? Well, and, and like... I wonder what... There's got to be some percentage of them that do know and are using that to their advantage, like perhaps Renslayer or whatever pulling the strings person is is doing all of it, Right. Yeah, I think Renslayer is not giving away, and I didn't get to say this last time, but I think Renslayer is not giving away a lot of what she's actually up to. Yeah, uh, yes. I think she's she is vague. up to significantly more. She's very vague, and I think there's a lot more going on with her specifically, not just because of her relationship specifically to Kang the Conqueror, but in general. But it makes sense if we are theorizing that Kang the Conqueror is involved in this that she would be playing a pivotal role in this as well. Yeah. As they reach the city where the Ark will be launched, Loki and Sylvie both agree they can trust one another. A riot is breaking out around the Ark by those left behind, and Loki remarks in shock, they're going to let these people die. Once again, Robbie, we, mm-hmm. the show's getting a little uh, a little depressing. A little, yeah, a little and, and obviously we talked about it a ton last week. I don't... It's not so much that I have a lot to say about it, it's that I want to continue to say it as the show continues this theme. As I said last week, I'm certain they're doing it on purpose, and having watched this episode, I'm now even more certain that they are purposefully, they're being smart, they're not putting it in your face, they're not saying, hey, this show is about the, the moral dilemma of who you save, but I think this show is about the moral dilemma of who you save, and we get that a few different spots in this episode. We get the train, the train sequence with the people being left behind on the train. Sylvie kind of talks about, uh, you know, these, these people are all going to be left to die. Um, and all these people are going to die. And we're, I can't remember exactly how she puts it, but you know, that's going to make our job hard. And then, then I think this is the first time the show has started to lampshade that um, it's not a plot, but that uh, theme is Loki just saying they're leaving them out. They're just going to leave them all to die. And what Loki is saying about the Ark is also true about the TVA and what we talked about with the TVA last week. And, okay, so we think the TVA are bad guys. I think we're all kind of on that same page. I'm pretty sure that's correct. So it's not so, not so much that they're good guys, but they are, it's not surprising. 
But there's a moral dilemma of how much can you mess with a timeline. If you have the ability to go and stop this hurricane, should you go and stop this hurricane? If you have the ability to go and rescue these people, should you rescue those people? That, that's not an easy answer. I'm not going to say that the, you know, yes, the TVA is bad guys, but even if they were good guys, I don't think there would be easy answers for what they have to do. But they are essentially doing their job while leaving people to die. And that's heavy. And I think it's very interesting that the show has these heavy concepts. And I don't think they're accidentally having these heavy concepts. I don't think this is, you know, a, a video game where you're just killing people left and right and not supposed to think about it. I think you are supposed to think about what's happening. And yet they're, they're putting it sort of just under the surface level and giving you a, a fairly entertaining show on top of what is actually some very heavy stuff. Uh, and, and I, Loki, I was already going through this episode thinking, okay, there's more of it. There's more of what I was talking about with the hurricane and more of what I was talking about with Pompeii. And then Loki just straight up makes a, says something about it that there was no reason, no reason unless they're doing it on purpose for him to stop and for the camera to focus on him and for him to deliver that line. And like that, that line was supposed to be important. And I, I Peaches has talked a lot about how he likes the philosophy of the show. And I think this is more of that. I, it's very, it's depressing, but I, I am very interested in the question they're handling of a, you know, sort of the left behind question. You can't save everyone. And if you do, what are the ramifications? And like you said, everyone in here is a bad guy, so they're not going to save everyone anyway. But that leaves us thinking like, I mean, would are the bad guys doing anything that the good guys wouldn't have to do anyway? So it, yeah, I'd be interested anyway, to sad. see, I'd be interested to see if they ever like really formally address that idea again, because it's one of those things like they're not going to make it a central point of the plot where, <clears throat> excuse me, where like, the the TVA the good people at the TVA take over and now they're going to make sure everybody is safe in the time like I don't think you can like you said it's not an easy answer right like even if a good person took over the TVA they're not going to go back to Pompeii and save everybody they're not going to go into the future to Lamentis and stop the planets from crashing into each other but we have to think about that sort of thing anyway I, so I'm like I'm interested if they ever bring it back up or they just kind of let it float along as a uh, a setting idea or a, or just like a plot idea for us to think about while we're watching all of this like because it's sad in an entertaining way but if you think about it for more than five minutes it's just like it's such a conundrum they and, and they only like really briefly Mobius says one thing about it when in the first episode when Loki's like, who are you to decide? I don't even remember what he says. He talks about something being good and something being bad. And Mobius says like, we don't really see anything happening like good or bad necessarily. And then he doesn't, he doesn't go on. Like he interrupts himself to keep the interrogation with Loki happening, you know? So I don't know. I feel like they'll just kind of leave it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just leave it. I would not be surprised I think you can have an interesting theme without necessarily having a moment of let's reflect on our theme from this show. So yeah. I do think they might just leave it. And, and I think it can still be smartly handled even if they just leave it. I think the deception here being we get this 
a lot with some of the characters that we have here. Uh, but it makes me think of Captain America, right? So Captain America, what would he do if he was presented with this situation? If Captain America is presented with a situation here, which is basically just the trolley problem, do you save the people in Pompeii and potentially risk the sacred timeline? Or do you let all the people in Pompeii die yes. to protect the timeline? It's the trolley right. problem, right? Right. For those unfamiliar with the trolley problem, there is... Um, I believe it is there is a trolley full of people and then there are two tracks. One of them, uh, there is a person tied to the track and the other one, like the track falls off a cliff. Is that it? No, no, it's... So there's a speeding trolley and it has a track switch at one point and currently it is um, going to run over five people. You are at the control lever of the trolley track switch and you can pull it and it will divert the track switch to the other side where there is one person it will hit. So the dilemma is, do you not interfere with the fate that is happening and five people go? Or do you pull the lever to save five people, but you know, knowingly will murder one of them? Uh, murder is not the right word for, the, for presenting the, the phil phil philosophical quandary, but knowing that somebody will die in place of the five. And I think well, and if, it, it, if you, you could are, probably do a cliff version though. Sure. sure. <laughs> There's probably thousands of versions of it, but yeah, and, or, or what comes out a lot with self-driving cars. Like should your self-driving car kill you to avoid an accident that kills 10 people? Like that's, right. that's one that's like probably actually going to be relevant soon. Yeah. And so it's, it's an interesting debate. I think what this show is really kind of pointing at is, just because they have the power to sort of interfere is what they're doing really, really for the good, right? Like, is letting people die good enough for this supposed timeline that we're saving? Because, like, I think the way the TVA is painting this picture, the picture they're painting is that you have, this is our option, and our other option would be chaos. And those are our only two options. And I think Loki being, Loki, Loki being a being of nuance understands that it's not that simple, right? That there are a vast number of options and a vast number of ways this could go and trying to think of it only as you save these people. And I think him seeing a lot of this is maybe changing some of his perspective as well. Uh, but also him going, they're going to let these people die. It can also just be Loki trying to like be sympathetic to Sylvie and trying to uh, be trying to continue to kind of get in her good graces to find out whatever information we can. That's the thing with Loki. We don't actually know, which is what makes this show so good and why I like it yeah, so much. I agree. The planet splits open and begins causing devastation as Loki and Sylvie try to help one another make it through the riot to the Ark. Just as they reach the Ark, however, a giant meteor crashes into it, destroying the ship. Sylvie walks away in depression, and Loki stares at the destroyed ship as the credits start. Now, Peach, hey. you've already gone on several times about how great the music is here, but we had a different closing song than we normally do. You're a little sad about it. Yeah, I just want Natalie Holt to know that I'm here for her, you know? Uh, I'm her biggest fan right now. I I think, what was the name of that song? Dark Moon Rising was what played in the in the credits. I mean, it was a fitting song for what was going on. Like it fit the theme of they thought they were going to escape the planet and now they're in deep shit. Like it fit that theme really well. Um, and throughout the episode, it sounded like there was some, 
some Natalie Holt composed content in the score. Uh, but mm-hmm. the episode also started off with a song and it ended with a song. And I just, you know, I really missed having the TVA theme at the end. I really wanted that ticking clock. And um, I don't know. I just missed I missed her music in this episode, man. <laughs> um, on the subject of like the the art side of of, you know, the, the music and the cinematography and the visual effects, and whatever. Visually, though, I think this was the best episode. If if we oh. are just talking about visuals, listen, I think the TVA looks great. I think the the theming of the TVA is really good, and the city view was awesome. But this episode is beautiful, man. Like, when they land on Lamentis, like, the purple hues in the sky are like that. You know, you, you understand this because you live here now. Something about, like, a Florida sunset is just prettier than most other sunsets, right? Like... That's how I felt when they got to Lamentis. Like the sky was just so captivating. It was just beautiful. And when they got to that city, like, yeah, it was chaos and destruction because the city was being hit by meteorites and also the guards were attacking. Like it was a chaotic scene, but the city itself was very vibrant, like visually striking. It it, it had that like, you know, the they were in the future, right? 2077 or 3077, wherever they were. So it had a very futuristic style, the city itself. Um, like, But it, it kind of reminded me of um, Midgar from Final Fantasy VII or like Neo Bowser City from Mario Kart. <laughs> like it just, it looks really good. In fact, I, I've said this to every single one of you and none of you have played Final Fantasy VII. So maybe some listener out there will have, uh, will relate to me on this front. In the moment at the at the last scene of this episode when Loki like jumps up on the rock or the table or whatever he jumps up on and he like looks at the arc, that very much reminded me of Cloud when he, when he and the rest of the party are about to infiltrate Shinra headquarters, like looking up at the the HQ building. It just really reminded me of Final Fantasy VII, and so I liked it a lot. But Visually, loved it. I missed Natalie Holt. I wanted more. <laughs> Give me more of her music. My uh, theory, and I guess it's not really a theory, but my guess is starting next episode, we're going to see more TVA. Like, we're going to head back. Like, the TVA, to me, is the setting of this series, especially because how many episodes do we have left at this point? Three? Mm-hmm. Of course, the internet, though, is now saying that maybe there's a secret fourth episode. They fourth- said... They've Four now said that episodes. with every series. I know, I know. That's why I'm laughing while I'm saying it. I think there's three left. I think yeah. we're telling a really contained... And I honestly, especially after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I feel like less is more. If you're going to give me six episodes and they're going to be very well contained and we're going to tell a straight story and we're not going to have too many characters kind of mucking it up and just being really deep and getting a lot of characterization out of the characters that we have, I prefer that over sort of the having lots of characters, but not any one of them feeling as fleshed out as they probably should have been that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I think I have a feeling that the TVA is going to be our setting. I think there will be at least, here's me calling, maybe this is a Freeland Stork, there will be at least one scene where there is some sort of fight that is happening with the Tempads where they're going between different times. And they're going to go into one time, and they fight in one time, and they go through the door, and they fight in another time. That oh. fight scene will happen in this show. 
I don't think that's a surveillance stork. I think that's practically yeah. required. Like, <laughs> that sounds like when I when I said that there was going to be a WandaVision fight where they went through a bunch of different uh, sitcom styles. There we go. There, there wasn't really a fight, but there was a moment when the sitcom yeah. styles kept changing yep. rapidly. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to agree with myself, so go ahead. Oh, oh, I was just going to tell people. <laughs> I, I, I really agree with you on the aesthetics. Uh, I, I don't think I like it more than the TVA shots, but I really did find myself really into the visuals of this episode. I, uh, I liked the ending song. We, I don't, I love, I love the TVA theme, but I don't need it to be in every episode. I really like how the song closed this episode out. <laughs> that, I need oh, to scratch that, that itch, man. That Marvel Studios song, though, is that the weirdest song that's ever been used for uh, the Marvel Studios logo? It was—I mean, it was—it was cool. I mean, we've, but it we was just—didn't just... we open Guardians of the Galaxy two with what I would say is a weirder song? Okay, I don't remember exactly which ones have opened with like a song, song, and which have opened with like a score. Uh, I, I'd have Guardians to, like, two, up. Guardians two opened with Brandy, which yeah, that's weird. I, okay, <laughs> okay, keep going, Eduardo. <laughs> so, where do you guys think this is going to go next, Peach? We're going to start with you. This one, okay. So, this episode overall, I just said some good things about it. Now I'll be a little bit more critical. I, I felt less excited about this episode overall, and I don't want to be that guy that you hear on the internet that's like they stopped the plot character development man because i'm not mad about character development but i i couldn't really put my finger on why exactly so i'm gonna shout out um i'm gonna shout out dex from our discord server and patreon because dex said in our our podcast chat and spoiler chat or somewhere one of the channels that it felt jarring to them too because the last episode was it ended by Sylvie sending all those bombs out to the different parts of the timeline. And it felt really urgent and it felt like we were deep in the action and all of these things are happening right now and they need to be solved or they need to be shown or something needs to happen. And then we get this, like, I don't want to really say it's calm because most of the episode they were running away from a meteor shower and then like fighting on a train. I'm not saying it's calm, but by comparison, it felt like the urgency that we ended episode two with did not translate into episode three the same way. Maybe that is a uh, side effect of how time travel works. Like if you're time traveling, whatever you did, I guess you could just go back to it. But, um, that being said, I, I assuming, I'm assuming what comes next is that we resume the consequences of what we're, what was happening at the end of episode two, right? We can't just leave Sylvie bomb to these 14 places on the timeline and then just let it be right. We have to come back to that at some point. So I feel like maybe something like, uh, Mobius finds them right before they're about to die on Lamentis. He pulls them back into the TVA and then it's like, we need to solve this issue. Or something like that. Maybe that the way I just said it sounds really lame, but I think they're gonna be I think they're gonna be saved probably by Mobius because at this point he's the only person that would trust our Loki. Robbie? I agree with basically all of that. Um 
Another reason this episode is jarring had literally no Owen Wilson. Uh, yeah, what the hell? So every, anything I say right now, I feel like it's going to be like, it's going to come off like criticizing this episode is bad. And that's not at all what I mean. But I think you're right where pacing wise, it just felt like we changed, like we dropped the urgency. You're totally, you and Dex are totally correct about that. And also my rewatch, I was more interested in the episode, but my first watch, I was not on the edge of my seat like I was in the other two episodes. I was waiting for something to happen, wanted something to happen. And, and sometimes you do need a breather in a long story. So I, I think this episode did nothing to make me less interested in the show. It actually probably just, it actually probably continued to make me more interested in what's going to happen in the show. But the episode itself on its own did just kind of feel like not much happened and it wasn't as thrilling as previous episodes. So not bad, just eh, not where I thought we were going. Um, but as far as where we're going, and so I'm, I'm hoping we'll get more, more of the thrills that I had from previous episodes. I, I definitely love Sylvie's character. And so her addition to the show is, I think, going to be strong. As far as where it's going, I really, I'm not positive. I do, I feel strongly that Loki is manipulating Sylvie here, but I don't have strong feelings as to why or what the end game is. I, I don't catch where shows are going and where stories are going the way that y'all and my wife do. I, I tend to kind of just blissfully go along in the dark. And in this show, more than usual, I am just completely in the dark. I don't know what's coming. And that's fine. So I don't know what's happening. Eduardo? I think my problem with this episode, and problem is a really loose word, mm -hmm. uh, but my problem with the episode is it feels like the first two episodes were really good, complete episodes. And this feels like part one of two. This mm. episode ends in a way that doesn't really resolve anything that we've talked about and done throughout the whole episode. And so it definitely feels like there's going to be a continuation of this story next week. And so we don't get any really finality to anything, any of the sort of the plot threads that we have done this episode. There is a bit of finality to the first two episodes that have really good structure that kind of end in really satisfying ways. And this one ends in maybe a cliffhanger type thing. I think that's the intention, but it feels like, like we're just going to get there next week. Like you could have just ended it a little bit, little bit, in my opinion, a little better. And I think the mm -hmm. ending kind of really sets that apart. During the episode, I enjoyed it just as much as the first two, but I think the ending for me is where I'm like, I feel like they, they could have resolved this episode as an episode better. Okay. I'm wondering if we find out that Robbie is right and um, Loki was playing Sylvie or Sylvie was playing Loki or something, that this whole episode, and then we come back and watch this, it would have a completely different feel. That's possible. I would love for that to happen. Yeah. So, do I know? Do I know what's going next? Not really. Um, I can't really tell you what's going to happen next, and I kind of really like that. Like, I don't really yeah. know what's happening. Like, I know what's happening, but I don't know what's happening, yeah. and I really like that. Like, I understand these characters. I think uh, I. I don't comparing it to WandaVision is I think a more apt comparison than comparing it to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but it seems a little bit more in between those two shows 
Like, I think those are two extremes of a spectrum. And this is kind of meeting a little bit right in the middle. Like, a few of the things that it does are kind of on the nose. And I think that's by intention to kind of reel you in. But there's also all this stuff that you don't know, that you don't really understand. And I really like that. I really like the kind of balance that they have going on right now. So ratings. Robbie, we're going to start with you. What are you going to rate episode three of Loki? I am going to give, and we've kind of given all the reasons already, so I'm just going to go into episode three of Loki. I'm giving seven Harriet Trumans out of ten. Eduardo? I will give it eight unconvincing dead husbands out of ten. (laughs) He was never that nice to me in 30 years. (laughs) Uh, I'm giving this episode seven imaginary love daggers out of ten. And I think that will do it for this episode. Hopefully next episode we're all back on. Fingers crossed, we're all back on for the next episode. Uh, but if you want to tell us your own theories, maybe you have some uh, some theories coming up also, be on the lookout because Black Widow's coming up. We got a lot of stuff to do, guys. There is a lot coming up and not a lot of time, and we are going to be very, very, very busy. But if you want to send us an email, your thoughts on uh, Loki, your thoughts maybe on Black Widow about anything, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com is where you can find us. Uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, the uh, podcast can be found at assemblycast. You can follow all of us individually, excuse me, philkid3 for Robbie, uh, d underscore peaches for peaches, gatorsax2010 for Chris, and ebcd eduardo1 for myself. We've already talked about it once, but once again, this podcast is supported by listeners just like you over at patreon.com slash assembly required. Huge shout out to our Avengers level patrons, Brian and Riley. Thank you, gentlemen, both. But I think it's going to do it for us. It's going to for myself, for Peaches, for Robbie. We love you 3000. Bye, everybody. Uh, Excelsior. Hail Hydra. Bubbly, bubbly. Impressive.
Has anyone seen Fry's ass? It's late for a date with my boot. Fry's not here. Obviously, he went to that pervert party with Bender and the professor. <coughs> Fry went to the party? We interrupt Hypnotode on Ice to bring you breaking coverage of the disaster at Hedonism Bot's bachelor party. Oh. Linda, what began as innocent fun ended in tragedy tonight when a nuclear-powered robot stripper suffered a catastrophic reactor meltdown. There is only one survivor. Everywhere I looked, there were piles of bodies. And then the explosion struck. <laughs> the three co-workers I liked are all dead. Fry stood me up and died? I'm so angry. I mean, I'm so sad. But, but I'm still pretty angry, but also sad. Can I be both? It's what he'd want. Then that's what I am. Hi-ya! <laughs>